Hey everybody, I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Before you listen to or watch the show, remember to subscribe and follow the Mortgage Broker Club on Facebook and LinkedIn to stay up to date with all the latest news and updates. Please note we are not a mortgage broker and do not lend money directly to clients. Remember a mortgage and or borrowing secured against your home or property can be repossessed if you do not keep up the mortgage repayments. The content of this show is for information purposes only and is not to be relied upon. Stay well and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Sean Rogers, and I am delighted to be joined on today's show by Joanne Cole of Broker IQ. On today's show, we're going to be picking Joanne's brains on protection insurance, the mortgage and insurance industry, and learning more about Broker IQ. Joanne, how are things? Things are good, Sean. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm delighted to be on the on the show this morning. That's brilliant. Thank you. We, to be fair, we should have recorded 20 minutes ago when we were doing the fact we'd have got two, we got two shows out of it. For that. <laughs> we had great chats. Great chat. Well, I was thinking that as we were going through, we should have been recording some of our conversations. Solved exactly. all the world's yeah. problems. I'm sure there'll be a drone or some form of uh, voice device that's been secret <laughs> and us, no doubt. Um, yeah. I was reading that you're, a, I mean, we didn't speak about this before, but I was reading that you're a qualified primary school teacher and I know you have a passion for data analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit about that and how you ended up working in the insurance industry. Yeah, well, I went into teaching, obviously, I trained as a teacher and I went into teaching and very quickly um, became data and an analysis in my own school. And it was a large school, there was lots to analyse and realised I had a real love for data um, and went a long way with uh, moving the school that I was in from legacy paper-based solutions to digital and work with different databases. Um, I was given the opportunity uh, about five years ago by our local broker to come into his office to work with him in his new business and also in the insurance side of things and it was there that all I saw was data I saw lots of data lots of um, customer data coming in and some was used very very well and then some was just not utilized and this this is where I got the idea for broker IQ this is where it came from Um, and the rest is history. Um. Leading on from that, what did you like the most and what did you find the toughest part of working as a protection specialist? I love the insurance industry. You know, you just go in somewhere and I just loved it. Every element of it. I worked with the most amazing principal character who gave me his passion and enthusiasm. So I think, and I know we lead on to this later, people look at insurance as probably a commodity that they need rather than want. But um, when I went into work in the office I was in, the principal character, he lived and he breathed and he ate his industry and his job and his customers, and not his customers, clients, his clients. And I just loved that. I loved every element of it, Sean. I, I just, you know, I saw when when people needed him the most, he was really there and he really fought their corner for them. And that was at the side of insurance that I had just never seen before. And I think then I went in and I um, worked with a great network at this um, principal character as well. And I saw the enthusiasm from the network and from um, other independent brokers that I had met. And I just loved it. I just really loved the industry. And um, that gives me the, the passion for it and the passion to want to do, to work within it, you know, um, the toughest part for me, I was distracted by technology. Um, and if you ask my principal character, he would say the same. I think because I came from that data analysis mindset, I looked at the data and I was selling insurance. And I um, 
but I was trying to rationalize it all so much and put technology to it. And yet I couldn't find the solution that I needed. And again, that's led on to where we are today. Um, so that was probably my toughest part. And I know for my principal character, he probably had thought I was there for the long haul with him. And he's a great friend and a great advocate of myself now. But um, I got distracted and uh, this is where I am now. I have a platform to support brokers, um, but I'm not selling anymore. Gave you a great springboard. And yeah, sat, absolutely. Yeah, great ground. And to be fair, my my IFA similar. Like he's got. I was speaking to him recently, and he's got a client. Obviously, I, I don't know who it is, but he's got a client and a family who've just had an absolute nightmare of a time, and they've got quite a big business behind them. And he's actually gone in for free <laughs> at management level to help sort of rescue the business. If you see what I mean, because mm. they've got personal circumstances dragging the key family members away from the management side of it. And like you say, you know that kind of sort of passion for your clients if you will you know that's truly going above and beyond and yeah. I, I, I'm not this is a guy who like my FA won't thank me for saying it but I think he's 63 could easily have retired by now like doesn't really need mm-hmm. doesn't really need that stress or workload or anything like that but ultimately it's his client and it's been his client for a while Absolutely. And the guy I work for is exactly the same. And you asked there, I didn't answer probably the most difficult part on the in from working in the protection industry. And it was just balancing everything. It was balancing the, the best you could do for your client and being there for your client and the admin and the compliance. It was balancing all of that, especially when you come in as an, an independent advisor working on your own. You don't have your admin. That was that was probably my biggest challenge in the industry. And you try to do your very best. You go over and above for your clients. And, and you have to balance everything else at the same time. So it, there are difficulties there as well, which um absolutely acknowledged. The In November, I was reading that one in four advisors are now passing protection business to a specialist. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently that is up from one in seven mm-hmm. in the previous year, according to the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries, the AMI. Um, why do you believe that has increased? Well, I suppose it's just like I've touched on. It's it's doing the job diligently and doing it really well. You know, both are very heavy on your compliance and your fact finding and the admin that's involved. And you're so heavily regulated, you know, which is brilliant. It's brilliant for everybody and better to be. But there's a lot that has to be done there. And I suppose people maybe fall into certain niches that they do it better. Um, I know certainly where I came from, we had, you know, a team that did mortgages, a team that did pres- protection and they work together to make sure that the client got the best policy however I did you know those those brokers that, that did both and you know, they like to do it as a package and and I can understand that as well so I think maybe over the last wee while with COVID um, people are more conscious of you know what is happening and maybe of getting sick and, and then they're they're and then because of the, the, the problems with COVID and the insurance industry, maybe people feel better passing that off to others to have a more specialised view of it as well. Yeah, I think I think probably another factor as well is especially any operations or businesses where they were getting hammered with mortgage yeah. inquiries. It's I think so a lot of them have gone, actually, I need to jump onto the next mortgage referrals or the next mortgage leads or chase up the existing yeah. book of work that we've gotten there for either I'll leave the protections alone regrettably which many wouldn't want to do or pass it on yeah and the mortgage industry was so busy and I think from being out around brokers myself the importance of they have had such a a busy spell but of making sure that they're 
organized and ordered for the next batch that comes off the spell that they've had now in their review, reviews and their renewals as well and, and preparing for that um, coming up in the future. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a statistic that you've brought to my attention there. I did go and look it up afterwards when you know I heard it initially. Um, that statistic of the well, one in four and one in seven. Indeed. Well, I mean, sticking with the AMI survey, something else that stood out was 52. So over half of consumers um, said that income protection is important. Uh, quite right. Should, should obviously be a much higher figure than that, you'd think. But only 7% of people, or certainly 7% of people surveyed, have it. So why do you think this is? And what can advisors do to increase the take-up of protection? Um, I think basically what I would have done when I was there was look at their, I, I have my sheet here for what I used to do, but I, was, I used to put a nine boxes down and I used to actually show the client, you know, these, these are your assets, this is what your, you know, your debt is, this is what you're paying out, and this is what you need. If something happens, what are you going to do to cover this? What are your, because I think a lot of people think they can rely on the government sick pay. They get a wee bit of a shock when they hear and it's not as good as maybe they think it's going to be. And it's not going to match up to their expenditure and what they have in their lifestyle. So what are they going to do? That was my way around it. And I would have put it very much down in a black and white. Here you go. This is what you have. This is what you need. Do you have enough to cover that? Um, however, I do know that there's a very low uptake on it. You know, I do the insurance for my, I don't sell the insurance, but I organize the insurance for my local football club. And um, the guys, so it's an amateur sport, and the guys go in there and um, they're maybe self-employed and they don't have any sick pay. And, you know, I'm all the time telling them, you know, if you get injured on this field, you need to have some form of income protection. But not only if you get injured here, what if something happens to you in your job? What are you going to do? I just think it's a lack of education. It's a lack of being informed. And they think that it's not necessary. So um, maybe just being given the, the, the cold, hard facts of you know, why it's so important. But I think, I think in the statistics I've been showing that recently it has, they have acknowledged it because COVID has made people sit up and think, well, something could happen to me tomorrow and what am I going to do? You know, so I, I think it is potentially changing somewhat that it is becoming a wee bit, I've seen it even with the club that I work with, they are a wee bit more, well, maybe, or maybe that's me drilling it into them. I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, I think it is something that people are becoming more aware of. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think there's probably two aspects to it. And one of them, you know, one of them you can be in danger of putting across the wrong way, I suppose. So I'll have to make sure I explain this correctly. But I think you're always going to do more for other people than you are for yourself. So I think if you're pitching to someone who, for instance, is say they're a first-time buyer and they live alone, I, I think that's a trickier sell than to someone who, um, for argument's sake, is in a family. And they've obviously got, because I just think ultimately you're always going to do more for your loved ones than you would even for yourself. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that, not an angle, but that's the reality, I guess, that a lot of people will do it not because of their own sake, but because they're thinking, well, if something happens to me, depending on your lifestyle and stuff, even little things, like does that mean my kids can't go to that football club? Does that mean my kids really? can't go to that ballet? Like. Yeah if people's kids are anything like mine, they're basically never in and the bills we get for uniforms, <laughs> trips out and whatever. Else is just, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. 
so that that should just be a business in its own right just setting up all them clubs be a millionaire absolutely and then yeah. um, but i think secondly like you just referenced which i think is spot on is like the case study element because people think it'll just never happen to them and it's not a nice thing to potentially think about but i think people who can say on a no names basis or especially if people are willing to allow um for testimonial purposes their details to be given but for it to be like well i've got a client who x happened to them yeah and this is why it kicked in and this is yeah. why it worked and they'd have been sat there at your in this moment going i don't really need it or i'm not sure i can justify that spend or i'm not sure i can afford it if you know what i mean and i think as well i think there's a lot of the rapport like what you've been referencing about the way you worked in your principal work i think that rapport building is probably the biggest differential because yeah. i think if it's more of a of a colder kind of relationship i if it was especially some of my mates i reckon they'd be sat there going I think you're after the the sell-on of commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think you've got that rapport. It's more like, yeah. no, I think you're telling me this because you genuinely care. And I'm not saying yeah. that people don't. I just think it's more to do with that rapport about how it yeah. kind of comes across. I also think, Sean, it's not to do with mindset. I know what I was like about, I mean, I came from a family myself. So I went to work for the guy who did my mortgage, did my parents' mortgage. And we always, insurance was a big part of, of that I always would have known that it was always so I think it is a bit of a mindset you know as well I was very easy to sell insurance to because I believed in insurance I believed that it was something that I needed something that I was necessary that was necessary and maybe that's why I like to sell it because I did very much believe in it because I mean it is very important I think people out there just don't really understand how important it is or maybe they come from a different mindset of not now, I think there's there's a lot to, to shift in attitude of people, you know, as well moving forward um, and maybe making it that wee bit more transparent for people to see, you know, that it is here for their benefit as well. So um, yeah, it's one I think it's one for a separate podcast, what I'm about to say. But I do think that there's a there's been a mad culture change. I mean, you, like my generation, when I was a kid, my God, we used to rent our TV. Yeah. Which imagine me trying to explain that to my kids now. But But even when we got one, under no circumstances was that being thrown out. Under no circumstances yeah, yeah. a new one coming. Like, it didn't matter if it took a week to repair, it was getting repaired. Whereas now, if there's a bit of a culture of, I think, one, you just get a new thing yeah, rather than repair it. And then secondly, I just think there's an element of, there's been so many attempts to sell various types of insurance and the whole sort of alleged mis-selling space on yeah, various yeah, things. Yeah. So when you throw in like package bank accounts, mobile phone insurance, gadget insurance, I think people have just been battered by so many of these things. They've just almost switched off and gone, you yeah. know, boiler insurance, like drainage insurance, yeah. like like there's all sorts of stuff, isn't there, between, between HomeServe or whatever brands you want to call that, that you could take out these kind of policies with. Um, and I just think people have almost gone, if I was to take out all the stuff that I could potentially get, and I oh, think they just struggled then to maybe compartmental these yes. things and go, actually, them things I genuinely don't need. But there's yeah. a couple of musts, which, yeah. and, and like you say, Absolutely. it's that rapport and education process. It's the rapport, it's the education. I did a portfolio plan for my clients when I was doing it, and it showed them exactly what they had, what they needed, what if this happened, what would happen, how would they cover. And I find that it worked well, and I clarified the process for everybody. They knew if they didn't take it, I was covered. I had it there. That was, that was part of my 
covering what I had as well. If they didn't take it, it wasn't because I didn't try and I didn't educate and didn't show. It was because of whatever reason they had, you know, behind that. Congratulations on the launch of Broker IQ. I mean, what what was the inspiration behind uh, creating Broker IQ? Well, I've probably just gone through a lot of the main points there. Um, I didn't, I wasn't in the industry for too long, but I think, and um, I, I've been working in it since, but not in the sales capacity. Um, I think I learned more than enough at that time to not distract me from the, the challenges that I saw for brokers. So when I went in, I did come from a background of data analysis. I said before, I was totally distracted by the data that was in the office, you know, that was being used. I was distracted by how we could use that data and what systems we could put in place to make life better for brokers. Um, my platform's called Broker IQ because it's there to help brokers in their, their daily jobs. Um, and I find myself when I was there that I really struggled with the admin. And then I struggled with the making sure that I had a proper system in place to retain those clients and to, to, to work with them the following year or two years later or three years later um, and keeping track of on the customer communication, you know, the client communication. Um, did I use WhatsApp? What did the FCA think about WhatsApp? Could I use email? How did I track my emails? And that was on top of selling my insurance policy. So I, and the ad, and the compliance and the GDPR. So that is what led me to Broker IQ. I looked for solutions on the market and, um, I find things that did elements of what I thought we needed as a, as a full office. Um, they were expensive. They um, they only covered maybe 10% of what we needed. So I set off. I kind of went into my own thing. First of all, I started my first business called Review It, and I reviewed people's policies. So I sort of did it manually what I needed, and I did a lot of it online, and um, it went really well. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to put software to this, and this is where Broker IQ came from. And here we are now, fully launched today. Congratulations. And, mm -hmm. and how did you go about process-wise and operationally turning? I mean, this was an idea in your head. And mm -hmm. um, you've turned it into a working product and, mm -hmm. and a business. I mean, how did you go about doing that? <laughs> well, I, um, yeah, I, I, I did it all in my head. I'm not going to lie, I did it all in my head. I had the practice that I had learned. And I had the strategies in place and I knew the flow of the broker. So I had I had that worked out in my head. I'd worked out how we would make this a simple process from the fact find right through to the end. There's a chunk in the middle that my system does not do. I don't sell insurance. I don't deal with the compliance. I'm not a regulated source at this stage. I knew all of that. Um, but I knew that if I could start the process off with something to make that fact find slightly easier for the, for the brokers and then finish with a way to, to not lose that data that had taken so long to gather up in the middle that we could use that data for the client's benefit and for the broker's benefit to help them with their retention and their admin and just to make them all around more efficient. So that was my process. I had it all now on paper. I had it all done and I was going to put software to it. Now, this is probably where my biggest benefit was. My brother is a software developer. So we had lots of conversations and um, we had sort of put some tech to it when I was doing review it. I kind of had a bit of tech to it then. So when the pandemic hit, he moved home from London and to Northern Ireland, which is where I'm from. And um, we worked tirelessly set about building this platform. And, um, and that was it. I took the structure that I had learned, the, the process that I had put down on paper from my own experience, from where I worked the experience there. And we put tech to it and... Um, that's where we are. We have tested it and tested it. And I, and I know that I have, have it out in a number of brokers now. And um, 
the flow works with their flow because I know their flow. So that's where that's where we are today. And that's Absolutely. how it happened. That's how it happened. Sean, I had a brother who was a developer <laughs> and he was able to do it. You know, not just as easily as that. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over a long, long, long time and lots of discussions and tweaks and people in to help as well. But yeah, we are now where we are and we're, we're out. Could you imagine that happening like as kids or when? Uh... Absolutely not. No, no way. And people often ask, um, how do you work with your brother? <laughs> um, you know, in a, in, a, in that post-it environment. But we do, we work very well. And I think absolutely it has its benefits because um, he's very tech and I'm not tech. So I am, I've been asked to do some tech for non-tech because I have a tech product, but I'm not tech. Um, and I sometimes feel a wee bit like I'm not supposed to talk about that because I've been very lucky to have somebody who is so closely affiliated with me in the tech industry. And um, I do think that helps. And the fact that I can I can understand his nature and his personality and even though he's very tech, but try to fit that into the real life. Because I think there is a problem there with software systems that are built for specific industries. If you haven't sat in the shoes of the person that you're building the product for, it's very hard to build a product that matches what they exactly need. Um, and I was able to bring that real life experience to our tech department to, to sort of and monitor that and watch that while I didn't know what they were doing tech-wise, I knew if it worked, I knew if it was going to work with what was going to happen in the broker's office. So um yeah, it's that's how it happened. And there's a there's a proven template there, and that's exactly what you've just said that plays into that, in that um, you know, two operations I, you know, I'm not the only one, you know, so many people admire them, but you know, I massively admire look it's easy to admire what they're now but i just admire the story behind knowledge bank and tracker hub and absolutely there is a common absolutely. denominator there with both of them and that is that it was actually someone inside the industry who was like i could really i could do with this i'm not sure it's there yeah. i've got this kind of entrepreneurial idea but actually i need to find other people who can bring this idea yeah. to life now if the people who the, the the people with the coding skills and the software skills, they wouldn't have, have had the other part that's a must yeah. for this. So, yeah. you know, whether, I mean, to make, I think you've got almost a head start because one of the best things, because you're siblings, is you're going to naturally have like a hopefully polite but brutal transparency. Yeah. Whereas I think in a lot of business relationships, it's hot, it takes a bit of time to get the trust that I Absolutely. can tell you. Yeah. The honest opinion that I think, yeah. especially if it's potentially constructive criticism, shall we say, that there might be a bit of tiptoeing around that. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that with, mm -hmm. I mean, if your brother's anything like mine, there would be no messing about in terms of communicating. <laughs> Very direct. Um, yeah, yeah, Flex. exactly. There'd be no issue yeah. direct. Um, no, absolutely. And I think... Um, I think trust when you're building any business is the biggest thing as well. You know, I'm very blessed with fantastic business partners that have come in and a really great principal character who supported me the whole way through as well, albeit not doing what um, he wanted me to do initially. But, uh, you know, I think trust is massive. And um, especially when it comes to technology, when you know what you want, but you can't physically build it, you have to trust. You have to trust that the person that's doing it is doing the very best that they can for your for the business. And I think that has absolutely helped us along the way and, and, and speed up things because we haven't had as many 
of the rope bumps that maybe um, you may, if it was an outsourced product and you didn't know the team and you couldn't, and even having those conversations over the dinner table, Sean, I mean, mother has stopped now and um, that can't happen anymore. It just can't happen. We can't talk with Brooke Reiki over the dinner table anymore. That's just it. Yeah, so Christmas Day, it's like it's like a James Bad. Bond office. It's yeah. like broker IQ office just flips to like the the family dining room, and it's like yeah, we all put our Christmas yeah. hats on and join exactly. Us, yeah. Well, we're all now in offices where we're all very more professional from those very early days, um, Sean. But we do, um, we obviously have our teams and our team staff for the whole team that are now that have now come on board. But um, Des and I have been very clear, you know, that he we only communicate about family stuff through WhatsApp. There's no business stuff goes through WhatsApp. And anything business goes three teams, so there's no crossover because you do, you know, for 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 a successful business, you have to have those dynamics, you know, that um, you're not mixing everything up in the one place. I'm oh. terrible, me. I'd just be on Christmas if I was on Christmas Day. I'd just pranking that the app's gone down or something. It's, uh... Well, I I live, eat, and breathe broker IQ, so I find it very hard to switch off and not talk about it. Um, so I do, but he maybe finds it easier on the tech side. There's always somebody on the tech somewhere or another. <laughs> Million percent. And um, how how does Broker IQ benefit the consumer? For the consumer, um, it's one place for them to keep their insurance documents. Um, I mean, I built Broker IQ wearing two hats. I built it as a consumer of insurance. And I built it as a broker. I was trying to do the best for both of these two, two bodies to make more transparent for the insurance and you know, the FCR begin to make it the transparency and making things transparent and um, to make it transparent for the book for the client so on their phone you can see your insurance policies you can have your schedule there you can um, click to contact your broker you know you don't have to go and search you don't have to go and find an email you don't have to go into google and be hit by all the stuff and that was one of my tactics to keep the the broker clients away from going into your search engines because you can be hit by any number of things for months on end, targeted ads. So through our mobile application, you can come connect with your broker there and there through the mobile application just makes it so much easier. I had an incident actually this week in my own with my husband um, who whose fan, something happened, we don't know yet, on his way home from work. And he phoned me, Joanne, I don't know who I'm insured with. Um, I don't know if I break down recovery and I'm not going to lie at that minute in time I didn't know either I had to go and find where our insurance documents were and and all of that you know just that that's just normal life you know now I have it on the app and it's great and I know it's there and it's on his phone now and he can contact me and his documents there and he knew what he had so I mean just that transparency just making it easier for for clients to see what they have and what they're insured for so that they know you know so that they're more targeted when they're going to shop for insurance and, and understand when the broker sends something to them for the broker's protection this is what you have this is where it is and this is how you communicate with me so it's to me it's a win-win for both and what's the benefit to the broker then so you know if, if, if I'm a broker listening to this mm-hmm. I can say yeah I get it that's great for the client I mean everyone can picture that situation where I don't know you're on holiday and there's, where's my travel insurance I'm sure I've got it on my package bank account or I'm mm-hmm. sure I've got it with x or y or whatever it mobile phone insurance car insurance you know like we were referencing before you've almost got it coming out of your ears I suppose like having that all in one place massive benefit to the consumer where's the value to the broker for the broker it's a, a massive air retention to you know I know that 63% of an admin of a broker's day is spent on admin tasks and 37% is spent on 
customer engagement and client retention. Um, and, you know, having a customer there is more beneficial than going to source a customer. So our platform works really well for the retention. It reduces the admin and the retention chain. It just makes the broker much more efficient in their way forward. So, um, you know, we automate their systems. We automate their renewal dates that go out. We allow them through our platform to send out video notifications, to send out voice notifications and we track we monitor those for their protection if they need to use them at any stage they're all sitting in our system they can see them in their own system and and especially for mortgage brokers there one of the things we struggled with was that renewal date of a mortgage broker you know that um you set a mortgage up it maybe wasn't up for a review in three years five years seven years time whatever the time would be and our system picks that up and it will notify the broker to say your client Joanne Cole is coming out of their um, promotional end date in four months time start your sourcing now and you're getting in there and getting to the client before you know we would have any other um, people getting in there or clients going to source somewhere else um, the same with your protection policies as well um, and you're also able to send out your marketing material we do a good bit of the marketing for the brokers you know we have all the email templates that go out for them um, and for, and it, it helps them just keep in front of their clients. And I think massively it helps keep them and their clients in the app that they're not searching anywhere else, even for a telephone number or an email address or search, searching through their Gmail. So it just gets the, the, the brokers in front of their clients and it helps them with their retention and reduces their, their admin. And I mean, is it difficult for a broker to integrate into their business? <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if someone comes to you for a demonstration, how do they go about integrating that into a setup? There's so many different CRMs and logins and things like that. Um, what's the process for a broker? What would what would it look like for them if they wanted to, to get behind this? So I have sat in the broker's shoes and I know how busy their day is, absolutely. And when I was building, you talked about the initial, what I was going to do. When I was building, what of the initial things I was looking at was that integration. I didn't want it to be heavy on integration. I didn't want it to be something that was going to be another chore in their day because I know that when you take in a new system, it can be very, very, very difficult. So um, I, it's, we're very, very light on integration. We sit, um, we have open APIs. We can integrate into other systems if they use them, if, if that's an option. However, we, um, we're based on the cloud. You basically just register. Um, and um, you, we do your email template. You send the email template out to your clients. You inform your clients you're using um, Broker IQ for your customer engagement, and they're encouraged to download the app. The app is affiliated to that broker, so um, the client onboards themselves very easily. And basically, the client coming through puts a lot of their data onto the system for you so that it's there. Um, I know when for the fact-finding process, I would have found that that was very important. And it's one of the, the biggest features that, we, that brokers that are using it like is that the, the client can put their own basic details in to inform the beginning of their fact-find at this stage. Um, and, and that's them onboarded. Basically, to automate the system after that, you we have it all set up um, for the protection, for the mortgages, and you just put in the review date. And it's automated. You upload their policy. It's a drag and drop. It's not even a, it's a very simple system. And that goes out to the client's phone. And we are working with another um, third party uh, to integrate text messages and emails, as well as the notifications into the system. So we're very light on integration, Sean. Now, obviously, links into partners that they're using would be our way forward to make it even better. 
but it's it's built to stand alone and it's built to be very light on the integration because we don't do any of the compliance we don't do any of the check-in we are very secure and we are um gdpr compliant and the big question who pays for it and how much the brokers pay for it. It is a it, we do market to the brokers. It's free for consumers. The consumers can download it. It's prompted by because let's face it, it's hard enough to sell your insurance to your as we've talked about to your consumers without telling them that they need to pay for an app to keep their insurance on. So I was mindful of that as well. And um, I think for us, it is a retention tool for the brokers. And five percent increase per year would double on retention, would double the client's retention over five years. So, I mean, I think it pays for itself. We start off exceptionally reasonable. Sean, I came as a small independent one-man band who already paid fees to other places. Um, And, you know, I've sat in those shoes. So for a one person starting off, um, for up to five years, it begins at 50 pounds. So we do have, so it's very reasonable. I know it's reasonable for what we have. We're a customer engagement platform. We, um, that would be the, our, our price point at this stage. And we do have multi-site, multi-user license for those brokers that would maybe have more people using the system um, going through. But we're very, very reasonably priced at this stage. And but we do sell to the brokers. And is that £50 a month? £50 per month, yeah. For five users? For up to five users, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And on average, how many clients would, would you expect an advisor to have? Um, we would have some smaller clients starting out, maybe very small numbers, very not even up to 100. We would have some there up to 10,000. We have different, we are working with different, I mean, we launched in September um, and we're working with a number of brokers at this moment in time um, across the mortgage and insurance sector specifically. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the range that we're seeing at the moment, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great, if it was me, I'd probably be, as a broker, I think I'd be it'd be great for me to touch base with my clients because it gives me a great reason to touch base with them to say, look, you know, Joanne, I'm I'm gonna send you through the details for this app. It's free. And what I'm also gonna do, I'm just gonna fire over your policies. Because mm-hmm. you you might be dead organized and have them filed away, predominantly probably in paper format, or you're gonna have them somewhere on email or whatever. I'm just gonna ping you them and put them in. Oh, by the way, you can put all your other insurance items yeah. in there as yeah. well yeah um yeah. whether you do or they, or they don't almost neither in or there to the actual advisor yeah. but i yeah. think the key point is especially especially going into 2022 what a great way at the start you know in the first weeks or first two months of the new year to touch base yeah. with your client base for absolutely what a great reason and, and and door to open for that you know yeah and i think we are largely i mean we do a lot of marketing through the app so you know we automate the birthday messages because we have the dates of birth so we we have we have brokers at the moment who record one birthday message you know and um it goes out to the client on the morning of their birthday i mean what better marketing than you know what it just gets to your front of your clients it means a lot to your clients spencer lodge um sings to you i think and i don't mean like some kind of like thrills video for like that but i mean he does it legit to every single client and whatsapp audios them happy birthday everything yeah yeah it's really clever and it's just it's just that personal touch and um you know it's something that when i was a broker i really would have wanted to do but i just couldn't do it for everybody because i had so much else going on you know and the same with your happy christmas message you know that will go out that will go out to your whole client base and you can decide it's like everybody or or it's in or you, know, you can you can choose what notifications want to go out to 
um, with clients. And we are building in the email as well. And I, I was a big advocate. Any wonder I, I didn't go into the selling of insurance. I was so distracted by technology. I, I left site when I meant for that. But back five years ago, before the pandemic, when I was only brought in um, and I was selling insurance, I was... I was video messaging all of my clients. So when I, and I actually used an American um, site and I used to, you know, so the email would pop up with me talking and before they even heard what I said, I was going to get in front of their, you know, I was going to get in front of them at that stage. Um, and it was very new at that point, that that kind of level of video communicating at that stage, where it's now it's totally acceptable. We're talking here in video. I know most brokers are doing their business through Zooms at this minute in time, you know, that model that I would have been used to isn't there as much anymore, I don't think, just given the situation that we're living in now. But um, that, that's what I incorporated into um, our platform, you know, that you could send your video message out to your clients and it would come up in their app and they were able to see the video from your app. Um, and that could be marketing or it could be just a personal message to your client or the automated messages that go out. So I think as a marketing tool and a retention tool, I do, I market it very much as that customer engagement, that retention tool, um, that can do wonders for brokers and that I know I didn't have time to do and would love to have done whenever I was sitting in their shoes. How do people get a, a, a demo sorted, Joanne? How do, how do they go about getting that booked in? How long does it take? A demo, it only takes 30, 30 to 40 minutes for a demo. Um, and I will run through the system and I do it very, I would encourage the broker to download the app and then I set them up as a client so they can see what the client would see. And then I run the system in the background for them to say we do it all. Online, if it's um, in Northern Ireland, I would go out to offices. You know, I do be in and out. And then the integration is very, very light. I give over your, the, the marketing, the material, the packages, and then you hit the ground running. You know, and we pride ourselves on our customer service. I have, I'm a big advocate for the customer success. Um, and we are there for our brokers every step of the way. You know, we're there to help them at any at any point. Go out to help them integrate, you know, um, to do what we can to make life easier for them. As I say, I've been there, I've sat in their shoes, I know how tough it is. And I know how tough it is bringing a new system into an office, you know, which is why I've tried to minimize that effort and that hassle. Um, but once once your clients are on, they're on. And that's you, you're started now in your customer engagement journey. Right. And we're recording December 2021. What does 2022 hold for you and Broker IQ? You hope. Well, we are at the minute looking to scale up already. You know, we are, we've already built our team up, but we have quite a few brokers, you know, that we're demoing to and we're using the system now. Um, so we're looking to scale. We're looking to be able to um, uh, build out our team a wee bit more. And we have more features going into the system as well. Lots more features to come in 2022. And I mean, we are at the stage where, we are, I pride ourselves on being a product that is built by brokers for brokers. I mean, I would say I get questions every week, you know, can you put this in? You know, last three weeks we had, um, we have a whole new specification of menu plans, which we hadn't in prior. The menu plan was there for those who sell menu plans to understand what I'm talking about. So you can now go in and add your menu plan and add as many policies into that menu plan, again, to make it clear and transparent for the for your clients as well. So um, that was a new feature that's only just gone in. Um, we have integrations with some third-party um, providers for the emails and the bulk email. And then we have a free package that goes out there with that provider for the email templates. Um, and we have a new, we are using video messages at the minute, but we have a new embedded 
video messaging system that will come out through the system as well just to help with the marketing so there's lots and there's more there's more but I'll not I'll not scare anybody off with anything else that's coming at this stage but lots in the pipeline for 2022 keep the new features for the next show yeah uh, well that's it for this week everyone thank you Joanne for being such a fantastic guest thank um, you so much Sean for having us uh, it's a pleasure. So thank you everyone for watching and listening. If you want any further information on Broker IQ, please check out our website, um, social media feeds for the Mortgage Broker Club. All the links are beneath the show links. If you're listening on podcast or watching on YouTube, please share and spread the word about the MLC show. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review. And remember to check out the products and services of my legal club and Mortgage Broker Club. But more importantly, please stay well and take care.